When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forced on states that challenge America's fundamental fundamental right That's uh, a lie. to vote, right? That's and not access true. to voting. And so this is uh, this is against our most basic values. That's not true. And including respect for the law and the Constitution. You're a liar. And speaking generally, of course, more broadly, uh, of course, uh, high turnout and voter suppression can take place at the same time. That's enough. Uh, you're a liar. Uh, that's not. That's absolutely not true. There were no laws put into place for voter suppression to force voter suppression to keep voters from going to the polls you're a liar and so uh she's lying on behalf of the president who is also a liar uh the turnout in these states uh is huge and the white house well they're freaking and last night you heard a train wreck a 30 car amtrak crash is what tucker carlson called it he's right it was a train wreck of a debate that went on last night abc calling it this morning a debate showdown <laughs> Wild. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Lurch was there. But come on, ABC. Would you please? (laughs) Debate showdown. Did you even watch it, ABC? I mean, come on. For a network, I, I, I know a network that would hire Matthew Dowd, right? Okay. But come on. Did you even watch this thing last night? That was no showdown. That was the worst performance by any candidate in the history of debating on planet Earth. And we'll go all the way back to the to 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 the uh, Roman Senate. It was terrible last night in any number of ways. Where John Fetterman clearly should not have been on that debate stage. But here's the deal. I mean, he started the thing last night by saying, Hi, good night, everybody. Hi, good night, everybody. Now, let me just make this perfectly clear. A lot of people have strokes, and a lot of us know people who have strokes, and a lot of us have family members who have had strokes. So this is not picking on a guy that had strokes. This is saying this guy is not physically qualified to be in the United States Senate. And shame on Biden and and Fetterman's families both and their wives. They could have steered these guys away from public humiliation. But these families who allowed their husbands to go out there like that, they wanted power more than they cared about whether or not their husbands retained any modicum of self-respect in the public eye. And John Fetterman, whatever he had, he lost last night. He read everything off of a teleprompter. They they allowed that to happen last night, which they I don't believe they should have. They I understand his auditory deal, and I get all that, but no. If one gets it, the you know whatever whatever is is uh, equal treatment for both. That's the way a debate should be. And it even got to the point, folks. It got so bad that the moderator was filibustering on behalf of of Mehmet Oz, trying to keep Oz talking so that Fetterman didn't have to answer any questions. That's how bad it got. Running defense for Fetterman. ABC called it a, is calling it a, a debate showdown this morning. Joe Scarborough on MSNBC says 
people are going to be talking about this in Pennsylvania tomorrow morning. The media will not. The media is going to not point out. And I listened to our very own overnight news guy on ABC, and they edited the piece so you didn't hear the flubs, the stumbles, the screw-ups, all the stuff that John Fetterman is suffering from. And this is not picking on a man that had that has a, a stroke and all the conditions that go along with the stroke. He's just not physically qualified to be in the Senate. Like, I'm not physically qualified to play in the NBA. It's, you know, and I accept that. And I'm not trying to go down and try out for an NBA team. He's not physically qualified for the job he's trying out for. And it was abundantly clear last night. Even Allison Camarada over on CNN was disturbed by the spectacle. He was flustered. He was confused. He should not have been out there. The lack of transparency leading to the actually shocked people watching. They found it extremely hard to watch. This is what left-wing pundits on CNN were saying about it. A question I found myself asking, is this the way he struggled as a result of the stroke or because he does not have a grasp on the issues? I think it's latter. I think I think that a lot of people are blaming the stroke for the fact that he does not have a grasp on the issues, and he stumbles when it comes to the issues, and they're blaming the stroke for that. I believe that. David Axelrod, uh, uh, you know, Obama's senior advisor, saying Fetterman needed to show he sufficiently recovered, and this debate surely did not help him do that. Olivia Newsy from the Washington, the Washington correspondent from New Yorker magazine. Okay, you don't get any farther left than New Yorker magazine. There is no amount of empathy for and understanding about Fetterman's health and recovery that changes the fact that this is absolutely painful to watch. Yep, that's right. Just so we're all clear, that was Fetterman with weeks of prep, specialized computer assistance throughout the entire thing. And what you saw is the very best that John Fetterman can do, and that was terrifying. In fact, one point Fetterman was asked to clarify his position on fracking because, as the moderators pointed out in 2018, he was all against fracking. I'm against fracking. I don't want fracking. I, I don't like it at all. Last night, when asked about fracking, he said, I do support fracking. I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I do support fracking. In 2018, I do not support fracking. Two years later, I or four years later, I do support fracking. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I support, I, I support fracking, and I do support fracking. That's the quote. He twice refused to release his full medical record to the public, says he's not going to do it. Not going to release his full medical record. And despite using a closed captioning system to help him understand what the two debate moderators and Oz were saying, he repeatedly lapsed into uncomfortable silences and mixed up his words. Sorry. I'm sorry that he's in that state, but I think a lot of that has to do with he doesn't have a grasp of the issues either. Then in New York, they had a debate as well. It was Republican challenger U.S. Representative Lee Zeldin going up against the current governor up there, Kathy Hochul. The big issue in New York right now is crime, crime, crime. And when it came up last night, no cash bail and crime, Kathy Hochul's response was, why is this so important? Excuse me, what? You're seeing the people that are being shoved in front of subways and the trains and all that kind of stuff. You're seeing people stabbed. You're seeing people hit with lead pipes on the streets of New York City. You're seeing a resurgence in crime in New York City like we haven't seen in probably 40 years in New York City. 
And when asked about it, Hochul, Governor Hochul said, I don't know why that's so important to you. All I know is we could do more. I don't know why that's so important to you, and we can do more. So, the Democrats had a very, very bad night last night, and there's a lot to be happy about concerning that uh, if you're an American citizen and you're concerned about the future. There's also another story out of New York I want to uh, relate to you, but it has a lot to do with those of us in Military City, USA, so we want to talk about that, too. And then, of course, from the medical community, we have more stories concerning this whole transgender nonsense, which is evil. We'll talk about that coming up as well. Trey Ware, KTSA. Seven-one. Well, uh, last night's debate surely was a testament to the lying media and uh, and and the polling in this country that is completely broke. I mean, polling in, in America is broken. We all know that. Uh, largely because Republicans will not respond to to polls, and thank God for that, because whatever they do is used against them. Uh, but the same is true of the lying media in America. And uh, when you saw John Fetterman and Kathy Hochul and their performance, and, and you know what, Gretchen Whitmer up in, uh, in Michigan last night, when you saw their performances uh, and you realize how close this race is, according you know those three races in particular, according to the polls, then you realize, number one, you've got a big media issue in America because they collude with those Democrats to keep their numbers up and to prop them up. Uh, on MSNBC last night, they had people on saying this was a, an incredible, transparent uh, performance by John Fetterman last night. It's unbelievable what Fetterman was able to put together in, in the headwinds and all the odds that were against him and all that to put that kind of performance together. Well, I've been watching debates now uh, most of my life. And I can tell you, I mean, even going back to my adolescent years, growing up around a politically minded guy, I was, you know, sat, sat next to him and we watched debates back then and we watched political contests back then. And this political race, there's no way it should be this close, nor should New York and nor should Michigan. <clears throat> but because they have Democrats that are working for them in the media and pushing their agenda. We're, I call them neo-Marxists because that's what they are. They're trying to bring socialism and Marxism to America in big media and in, in politics and in education and in health care in this country. They're all colluding together to do that, that. That You end up with this, and you end up with a tight race in these uh, three states, and it shouldn't be anywhere near. Well, I'll tell you where else you end up. You end up with a guy named Beto in Texas who is absolutely a zero. There's nothing to this guy, right? He is a professional campaigner. He runs to make money. He, even he admits he's not going to win. And because of the media, like the Express News, propping the dude up, well, then they're, oh, look how close this race is. Yeah, let's see how close it is in a week and a half, all right? We'll just see. We have two weeks to go from today, and we'll be looking at results. Now, the judge in New York, Supreme Court, Staten Island Supreme Court Justice Ralph Porzio writing that the New York uh, New York City must reinstate and hand back pay to 1,750 fired workers, including cops and teachers, who did not want to get the COVID vaccine. I said at the time that it's an illegal move by the, anybody who's doing it. Even Joe Biden did it. I'll get into that in a minute and why it's illegal. But thank God for the Staten Island Supreme Court Justice Ralph Porzio saying the mandate was enacted illegally last year, it's unconstitutional. He's right. As a result of the mandate, more than 1,750 city workers in New York were fired. 850 teachers in classroom aides just last month. Just last month. 
He writes, in his opinion, the Board of Health does not have the authority to unilaterally and indefinitely change the terms of employment for any agency. Boom, shaka, laka. That's it. When you go in and you accept a job and a job is offered to you under certain terms, coming back later and changing those terms without giving you an option is not legal. And that's what the judge pointed out. Now, that's true in a federal case, too, and I can't wait for this to be tried so that you folks in the military in Military City USA San Antonio can fight this because many of you were separated. Violating the, the workers' due process rights. You, don't, you didn't have any appeal. That was the big issue. There was no appellate process. Either A, you took it, or B, you were fired. There was no, well, let me explain this, let me talk about this. There was no discussion. It was A or B. Well, that's a due, that's a violation of due process rights in the United States of America. What that is, totalitarian, authoritarianism, it is neo-Marxism. I'm going to point that out about everything we talk about. It's neo-Marxism, baby. That's what that was. He went on to write the vaccination mandate for city employees was not about safety and public health. It was about compliance. That's what neo-Marxism is. You will comply to what I tell you to do. He went on to write, if it was about safety, see, I I read the decision. Did ABC do that? They read a decision? I don't hear them talking about it. CNN? CBS? NBC? Nah. They didn't read it. They're not talking about it. So he went on to say it was about if it was about safety and public health, unvaccinated workers would have been placed on leave the moment the order was issued. No one would have been exempt. But remember, in New York City, as in the military, they exempted the people that they wanted to exempt. Uh-huh. Just like they did with Obamacare. Oh, the people in Congress, they don't have to get Obamacare. They can continue on with whatever they want to do. They're exempted from it. Then the judge went on to say, if it was about safety and public health, the health commissioner would have issued citywide mandates for all residents, too. Amen. This is, folks, this is not just New York. This applies in New York because it was a Staten Island Supreme Court justice. But, folks, think about the entire COVID mess. Think about all the lockdowns, the ramifications we're seeing from the lockdowns, everything the lockdowns did to destroy education and our economy in America. And what you're seeing here is a judge who is rightly interpreting what happened with the lockdowns. He said we, sh- we shouldn't be penalizing the people who showed up to work at great risk to themselves and their families while we were locked down. Good stuff from that judge there. We'll take a quick break. Come right back. Trey Ware, KTSA. All right, it's 536 uh, now, 550 KTSA, FM 1071. Trey Ware page at KTSA.com. That's KTSA.com. Uh, Trey Ware page. Please go over there and check it out. So this isn't sounding weird to you? This is sounding okay to you? I mean, it sounds really strange in my headphones this morning. Yeah. Something really weird. Maybe we'll reset the board in the next break. We'll, we'll try that. I know this thing is really, really acting weird in my headphones this morning. Like I'm an alien. Do I sound like an alien to you? Not an illegal alien from across the border. Do I sound like I came from space? Uh, not outer space. Huh? But... 
Huh? Space no. in my head? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm just checking. Everything else must be your headset. Uh, I don't know if everything. it is or not. I can't tell. Everything else in here is perfect the way it always is. Sounds so. great in here. Yes, okay. same, same in here. I don't sound like a little green Martian man. <laughs> huh? No. No? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. Well, I, I kind of feel like one this morning. <laughs> Why God. is that? I don't have any idea because it sounds that way in my ears, I guess, because it's making me sound really weird. All right. Well, but I'm just checking. you stayed up too late last night. No, so. you know, I did. I did, but that usually works. It's usually a good thing. I did stay up late last night. All this politics stuff is in my head, running around inside my head, and I did stay up late because, you know, we're in the middle of the early voting season, and you were saying Democrats did not add to their – What's the story? Democrats did not add to their signing up, didn't right. sign up enough people yeah, or they something? Were, uh, they were hoping to uh, have a, an increase in new voters uh-huh. here in Texas. Uh-huh. It didn't happen. Oh, what happened to old Beto? I thought Beto was going to bring him in, man. Now I thought were, Beto had him fired up, man. Now, there there have been a half million new voters uh-huh. registered since the March primaries. Right. That's less than a 3% increase. Oh, And as boy. we told, as we mentioned in the story, a lot of that growth was in the suburban counties uh-huh. that typically vote Republican. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. I, I, the red wave is going to be real, and I hope that that's the way it's all going to play out. Uh, two weeks from today, as a matter of fact, because that'll be Wednesday, right, that we'll be getting all the, the details two weeks from today. So, right. All right. Okay, so let me talk about Joe Biden here, because yesterday he went to get another shot. <laughs> And, of course, he did his whispering thing again while he was doing it. Uh, Jimmy, I think I sent that to you, the whispering part of Joe Biden and the COVID thing. Let's go with cut number one and see how this plays out. Some of our friends in Congress say we don't need COVID funding, or they say there's really no reason that the government should be paying for it. I strongly disagree. Strongly disagree. This is a global health emergency. If we really want to put COVID behind us, we have to keep up the fight together. Wait a minute. You said to Scott Pelley at the Detroit car show that the pandemic was over. It's not a secret. Yeah. Yeah. But, of course, if you're going to run and and have mail-in balloting on November 8th, right, then you have to have the pandemic. Also, if you're going to control people's lives, and if you're going to sell a bunch of Moderna and Pfizer, whatever it is they're putting into people's arms, because clearly it's not a vaccine that they're putting into people's arms, it's not vaccinating you. It's not keeping you from getting it. In fact... A lot of doctors who are honest, now that's, I said, who are honest will tell you that they're treating many more COVID patients who are vaccinated than those who aren't, just to let you know. But, of course, yesterday Joe said, get your booster, get your booster. He urged all Americans to get their shots by Halloween so that they could be with their families on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Oh, great. So are you going to pull the Fauci on us again, Joe, and say that we call it the Fauci? That's what I call it. Are you going to pull the Fauci and say, don't get together with your family. You haven't, been, you haven't gotten your booster. And then he sat down, and they gave him a shot of something, okay? They put, they put something against his arm meant to look like it was his COVID booster. I'm sorry. I'm cynical. I think all that stuff is for show. I don't think they're pumping mRNA into these guys. I don't think Fauci got it. I don't think Joe got it. And by the way, when they said that they were vaccinated, if they were vaccinated back in the day, they both got COVID. In fact, 
Fauci got it twice in one month. He got it and then supposedly tested negative and then came right back with it a couple of days later. The president asserted that the coronavirus pandemic is still a global health emergency, despite in September, just a month ago, saying it was over. Boy, it came roaring back, didn't it? Hillary Clinton. She's out with a new video now. Pretty exciting, huh? Cut number three, Jimmy. I know we're all focused on the 2022 midterm elections, and they are incredibly important. But we also have to look ahead, because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. Hmm. And they're not making a secret of it. Hmm. The right-wing controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is full stupidity on full display. Okay, that's exactly what this maximum stupidity on full display for a couple of reasons. First of all, if you actually think this Supreme Court is going to get rid of the Electoral College, you're nuts which is what she says they're going to do, and hand the election back over to legislatures. Uh, you're absolutely wrong, Hillary. That's not going to happen. I don't care what little fantasy lives inside of your head. Um, here's the bottom line to all this. First of all, she went on to say this could not be a more important or more urgent, so we need you to crush the coup campaign. She's calling it a coup. We need you to donate to the crush the coup campaign. This could not be more important or more urgent. The, the, the Clintons, what you have to understand about them is, and Beto's like this too, they're professional money racers. That's what they do. You, you remember when they had the Clinton Family Foundation and they were selling influence by going to foreign countries and saying, well, if you want an audience with the Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, you have to donate to our family fund, and then we got jets and we got meals and we've got fun times and all that kind of stuff. Remember that? Selling influence. That Okay. All right. Well, She's a professional money raiser. That's what she does, like Beto, so that they can live off the backs of their donors, and that's all this is. But let me tell you exactly what's going on here. She denied the uh, results of the 2000 election. She denied the results of the 2016 election. And now she is denying the results of the 2024 election. A couple of things going on here. First of all, She is attacking our democracy and the system that we use to vote. And the ultimate goal for Hillary Clinton and others on the left is to scrap this system and control it out of Washington, D.C. Don't ever let that happen, folks. Don't ever elect anybody who says that we ought to have the system for voting in this country out of Washington, D.C., because then your democracy or your republic is completely gone. But let me take it one step further, too. She should be cornered at a Hardee's, her phone taken away from her. She ought to be arrested as an insurrectionist and face the J6 panel. Because she is an insurrectionist. By saying these things, much like Mike Lindell, who has been branded as an insurrectionist, and the FBI pulled up on him in a, in, in a Hardee's as he was going through the drive-thru and stole his phone from him, when are they going to take her phone from her? They're doing the same thing. He questioned the results of the 2020 election. 
she denied the results of 2000 of 2016 and now she's setting it up to cheat in 2024 find the fast food joint that she goes to fbi corner hey listen if you're going to do it to people on the right you ought to do it to hillary clinton corner her as you did take your guns out point them at her as you did to lindell and take her cell phone back in a minute trey Ware, ktsa um- so, Don, before you and I started working together, I used to have Larry the Cable Guy on. That's when they were out on their uh, tour, and he was really hot, the hottest thing. And he would come on probably, I don't know, every uh, once a week or, or, you know, every other week or something like that, you know. No, regularly, you know. And I remember we were in trouble, man. The first time he came on, he said, I just discovered something brand new. I said, what's that? He said, peanut butter underwear. <laughs> I said, oh, no. Peanut butter what? Peanut butter flavored underwear. I said, oh, no, Larry. You go, no, don't. You know, when he when he's not in that character, mm-hmm. he actually sounds like a Wisconsinite because that's where he's from. That's where he's from, right? Yeah. There so are videos on YouTube of him. Speaking uh, for, like that? When, before he became the Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> character full time. Yeah. Maybe just an average stand-up comedian. Get her done. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, he's got a new uh, tweet out. I just saw a couple of seconds ago. I saw a book at the duck. Uh, I saw a book in the bookstore. Sex after fifty, chapter one, covering up the mirrors. <laughs> 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 All right, most of you can relate. <laughs> Cover up the mirrors. That's the first step, right there. Yeah. Get her done. <laughs> Find a big tarp, put them over all the mirrors. You don't want to see anything like that. It's like a crime scene in there. (laughs) I just don't want to see. I do not want to see. (laughs) I love that guy. He's so funny. All right, Nicholas Giordano is a professor of political science, Suffolk Community College in New York, and a higher education fellow with the Leadership Institute's Campus Reform. He just did an interview with the Daily Wire. If you're not reading the Daily Wire daily, read the Daily Wire daily. Every day. Great stuff at the Daily Wire. He says, education has been failing students for years. Now, I mentioned this a couple of days ago. We were talking about the failing uh, math scores. Last week, we were talking about the failing reading scores. And I said, look, it, it's okay. Pandemic exacerbated it. Pandemic put the foot on the gas and made it really accelerate. But it's something that's been going on in public education for a long time. I've also been very clear, and let me just state this caveat because I want everybody to be understand me clearly. It's not every school. It's not every teacher. It's not every principal. It's not every administrator. All right? Uh, but as a whole, the public uh, uh, school and public education has been failing students and failing children and failing parents for far too long, and thereby failing our society and the future of this country. And now Nicholas Giordano, this guy who is, uh, well, muckety-muck in the the education biz, he is absolutely agreeing with what I've said. Quote, the education system has collapsed, and it's been that way for a long time. I think that the bigger story is that even as scores have been falling for five years in a row, the standards at the same time have been dropping as well. Now, that right there says it all. Because we have been, or they, in public education, have been lowering the standards and lowering the standards and lowering and lowering and lowering and lowering. And the scores have been lowering, too. So we got a hell of a mess with future generations of our country. And let me get back to what he had to say. Tests are easier today than they used to be. 
but students are getting worse grades on those easier tests. The education system, he says, is not really based on education anymore. It's based on the idea of indoctrination and activism. Hallelujah. Somebody in the business has the guts to stand up and say that. You've heard me say it a million times. It's indoctrination. It's transgenderism. It's sexualizing the children. It's all of those things that the public education system, again, globally speaking, is doing to our children. He went on to say, we see these failures. The proficiency ratings within the United States continue to decline as the standards are dropping at the same time. He said, we have created a system where we're just cycling students through. It's like a mill where they get promoted to the next grade, even though they can't read or write or do mathematics at the grade level that they're in. said, one of the scariest things to know is that 12th grade textbooks and 11th grade textbooks are based on 7th grade reading levels. So when we bring up something like ACT, A-C-T, and we're seeing the scores drop, well, perhaps it's because we're using 7th grade reading levels for the juniors that would be taking the ACT tests. He said education is one of the main issues in the 2022 midterms because parents have become more aware that the the schools have failed the students. It's blindingly uh, 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 in your face. You, You cannot not see it. He said, I think the Democrats have underestimated education as an issue, thinking they won't really affect them in the elections. That's true. The Democrats have underestimated it. Parents are fed up with the transgenderism and the CRT and the sexualization of children. Teach them how to read. Teach them how to write. Teach them how to add and subtract, which they have not been doing. They have been sexualizing our children in the public school system. And he said the topic of education should be discussed more often, considering that no country survives when their education system is non-existent. And as the United States, we fell in worldwide rankings when it comes to K-12. So we're seeing a failure across the board in academia. Amen. That's Nicholas Giadarno, and I'm going to invite him on this show, one of our 608 guests very soon, because he's going to have a lot to say about this rolling forward. But voices like his need to continue to be heard. Back in a minute, Trey Ware, KTSA. KTSA Morning News with Trey Ware. It's always smart to know what's going on. Now on uh, FM 1071. Yeah, baby. If that was a debate showdown last night between Oz and Fetterman, Okay, I'm a nuclear physicist, okay? And I'm working on the next nuclear project. Secretly in my basement right here in San Antonio. <laughs> what a what a joke. ABC, you are a joke. You really are. You're a bad joke is what you are. It was You're right. Yeah, it was a debate showdown between Lurch and Oz. This is really weird. I I, I this has gotta be a movie of some kind. I mean, come on. This has gotta be Yellow Brick Road meets the Adams family, okay? <laughs> and it was not a debate showdown. Even Joe Scarborough, okay, is as far left as you're going to get. Joe Scarborough said, well, people in Philadelphia are going to be talking about this, but the media won't. That's right. The media will not talk about this train wreck of a debate last night. The Democrats could not have had a worse night than what they had last night. They had an awful night last night between the Fetterman and Oz debate, where Fetterman was just a mess, a wreck. And I think it goes way beyond his stroke. And I'll talk about that in a second. And then in New York, the governor up there, Kathy Hochul, doesn't know why crime's such a serious issue. Why is it so important? 
I mean, that's what she said. And then Gretchen Whitmer up in Detroit in Michigan had a horrible night herself. So the D- Democrats could not have had a worse night, and the Republicans could not have had a better night than what they had last night. Good morning, San Antonio, 210-599-5555. My first thought on watching uh, Fetterman and Oz last night, where Fetterman started when they you know, introduced them and then gave him the first question, he said, hi, good night, everybody. That was... <laughs> Okay, let me just steal something from Joe Biden. That was his first word. <clears throat> Hi. Good night, everybody. And it got worse from there. Now, I'll say this up front. Uh, this is not picking on somebody who has uh, a stroke. We've all known people who've gone through this, and it's, it's horrible. And shame on the Biden and Furman families and wives They should have steered these men away from public humiliation, but they wanted power more than they cared about whether or not their husbands and family members were publicly humiliated. And last night, Fetterman was publicly humiliated. We all know that he has an issue with auditory stuff because of the stroke, and he has to read the screen, which I don't think should have been allowed last night. If you're you're applying for the job, it should be equal footing. That's what I think. My opinion. Because if he can't physically do the job, then he shouldn't be allowed to apply for the job. It would be ridiculous for Coach Pop to give me a tryout for the San Antonio Spurs. Ridiculous. And there's no reason this guy should be trying out. And it goes beyond, folks, the stroke. Okay? I'm sure the stroke caused a lot of the mess that we saw last night. I'm sure of that. But... Uh, There was also a lot of it that was caused by the fact that he's not clear on the issues. He hasn't thought, it was clear he didn't, he hasn't thought about many of the issues. It's clear he's a flip-flopper. Now, that has nothing to do with stroke, okay? Some of the speech stuff might have something to do with stroke. But his answers have nothing to do with stroke. And his answers were worse than the stroke-like symptoms, and those were bad. But, you know, in 2018, he said he was totally against fracking. I'm against fracking. I'm against it. When he ran for lieutenant governor in 2018. Today, oh, last night, I'm all for fracking. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a for it, he said. Well, wait a minute. You were against it before you were for it? Boy, you sound like the typical Democrat to me then. Even Democrats on CNN, David Axelrod, the others, Allison Camarada, they were like burying their heads down going, oh, God, this is awful. This is terrible. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely terrible. And beyond, again, beyond the stroke issue. It was terrible beyond the stroke issue. In New York, they have a gubernatorial debate last night. U.S. Representative Lee Zeldin is challenging her, uh, her highness, uh, Kathy Hochul, who sees the job as rightfully hers. It was given to her by Cuomo, and so it's rightfully mine. And, of course, the number one issue in New York and in a lot of places across the fruited plain has to be crime and what's going on in the streets, but particularly in New York because crime has broken out all over New York, all over Manhattan again. You're not safe. You're not safe in New York anymore. And it's widely because they do no cash bail and because the DAs there, they just turn these people back out. You could kill somebody and get back on the street in about an hour in New York. That's actually happened. You could you you could try to you could try to kill somebody, and the guy that you tried to kill ends up being the aggressor in New York. 
uh, the bodega guy. Remember? Yeah. They charged the bodega guy for defending himself in New York. So last night, the subject of crime obviously was going to come up. Right? And any person who's running for office or any person who is preparing somebody for a debate would say, what's our answer on the crime issue, Ms. Hogle, Gubna? And her answer was, I don't know why that's so important to you. All I know is we could do more. Now, New Yorkers are afraid, once again, just like they were in the 70s, to walk around in New York. They're afraid. They're afraid they're going to be shoved in front of a train on the subway. They're afraid they're going to be knifed in the back while they're sitting down having a taco. They're afraid they're going to be knocked over by a lead pipe. Just a guy, ran it's random crime, has no rhyme or reason to it whatsoever. It's not even robbery. They just go up, and, and, and I think, I, and I'll tell you this again because I've said it before, in neo-Marxism, in any Marxism, you have to create chaos on the streets. That's what you have to do. And what they're attempting to do is collapse our American society and collapse our economy, right? So you've got to create chaos in the streets. Well, they did it collectively with the BLM thing, which was a Marxist organization at the very top, and they did it collectively in 2020 with all their rioting and fighting police and trying to get rid of cops that way and defund the police. What the, the whole idea is to dismantle society through chaos and institute a national police force a la the Gestapo, etc., right? And so that's the whole idea to Marxism, a powerful national police force in every city across America. That's what they're working on. And in 2020, that's what the BLM movement at the very top was all about. Sure, you had people in the, in the ranks who believed in the cause, but at the very top, they're socialists, Marxists, and that's what that was about. Well, what they've done now, they know that they can't go around burning buildings and throwing urine at cops and, you know, the whole defund the thing anymore. They can't do that because nobody believes in that anymore. So they, what I believe is they've broken up into smaller units, and they're all over the country doing it, bringing that violence in smaller units around, and that's what they're doing in New York City. But for the governor of New York to say, I don't know why that's so important to you. All I know is we could do more. So it's not surprising at all that Republicans have gained more momentum with two weeks ago. Two weeks from today, we'll be talking about what happened. And the projection showing the GOP is gaining up to 25 seats in the House. The Senate looks pretty good as well. The White House is panicking right now, and the reason they're panicking is the investigations that they think that they're going to face and that Hunter Biden is going to face. So Joe Biden is now pouring 18 more million dollars into the Democratic National Committee as we speak. Cook Political Report says the Republicans are looking good as of right now. All right, I'll take a quick break. Uh, 210-599-5555, 210-599-5555. When we come back, we can take some of your calls on what you see going on. i got some uh, stories now from the medical community that are a little bit troubling I want to share with you as well. Coming up, I want to tell you about my friend, Dr. Mark Capricorn, the team at River City Oral Surgery. As I've been telling you now for about a month or so, his prices are going to go up on January 1. Why is that? Well, his costs have gone up exponentially, and he's held his prices down for as long as he can, but he's got to go up now. So January 1 is the day. But you still have time to book your appointment with River City Oral Surgery and Dr. Mark Havacorn and get in and have the work done. There's no better way to end this year and start a new one than with a beautiful new healthy smile from River City Oral Surgery at 210-778-0002. Unlike most dental offices, they're going to give you a flat, boundless, or bundled fee 
for many common dental procedures instead of nickel and diming you with a bunch of you know different charges and all that kind of stuff. River City Oral Surgery at 210-778-0002. Now is the time because you got to get in there before the end of the year. The prices are co- going up. Appointments are going to fill up fast, and the holidays are coming quickly as well. That's River City Oral Surgery at rivercityoms.com. Accuate the forecast sunny today with a high of 79, then more clouds tomorrow, high of 78. And right now we're down in the 40s, 48 at KTSA. Hey, and FM 1071. And one more of those Democrat nut jobs, and this guy is a nut job. He is a neo-Marxist trying to bring communism to the United States. Raphael Warnock, who is running against Herschel Walker out in Georgia. Quote, America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness. America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness. I'll tell you something America needs to repent of, and that's this nonsense, this evil that they're perpetrating in the medical community against our children called gender reassignment surgery, gender identity. And what's happening in the medical community right now is a sin, it's evil, and it ought to be illegal. The president calls it immoral to stand against it, however. As American medical officials are encouraging gender transitions for children over in the U.K., British doctors are placing heavy restrictions on transition drugs and procedures for all people under the age of 18. Now, the U.K.'s National Health Service <clears throat> is warning that children who believe they are transgender are merely going through a phase. That's right, a phase. And a lot of times that comes from outside the child. might be a parent, might be a teacher. But most times it comes from outside the child. Hey, look, Johnny, you're Julie. Hey, Julie, you're Harry. Whatever. And they're forced to live that way a lot of times by their own evil parents. And it's a phase. In the U.K., they're calling it what it is. They're calling it a phase. And they say the doctor should encourage them against using preferred pronouns or other names. In the U.K., who has always been more, quote, progressive than the United States. you got British doctors who are placing strict bans on puberty blocker prescriptions, shutting down transgender clinics. That's going on over there, while over here, the medical community is fighting for the right to mutilate children. Why? Because they make tons of money for the life of that person. In the absence of valid research that can provide solid data on the risk versus benefit of so-called social transitions, puberty blockers, hormones, or irreversible surgical procedures, the NHS, this is in Britain, has called for a halt to gender-affirming care. It's Dr. Stanley Goldfarb. Earlier this month, America's medical community, the left-wing medical establishment, I'm talking about the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Medical Association, the Children's Hospital Association, I told you when this happened, they sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland, and they want people like me who stand against this evil, they want people like me to be prosecuted. President Joe Biden weighed in it over the weekend. He said it's immoral to ban sex change operations for children. Any age. Any age. In England, they are even warning against social transitioning, changing names and pronouns and wearing clothes associated with the opposite sex, saying that those actions are not neutral and, in fact, have significant effects on the psychological functioning of children. Amen. Boys do not dress like girls. Girls do not dress like boys. That is a word right out of the Bible, Deuteronomy. Look it up. If God said it, 
That's good enough for me. Boys do not dress like girls. Girls do not dress like boys. It's an abomination, says God. Now, you don't, your argument's not with me. It's with him. Take it up with him. Fight with him. Thirteen state attorney generals in the United States have sent a letter to Garland as well, warning him not to follow what the medical community is here saying. So they have more common sense about this in Great Britain than we have in our medical community here. There's another headline for you. Adolescent chest reconstruction surgeries increase 400% in the United States. Well, Mengele would be proud, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he? Chest reconstruction surgeries performed on minors across the United States have gone up 400%. According to the Journal for the American Medical Association, JAMA, as we all call it, everybody knows, from Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, 1,130 chest mutilating surgeries performed on children younger than 18. Of those encounters, 1,114 were mastectomies, 16 were augmentation mammoplasties, bringing the annual number of child mutilations right up to 400% increase. This is the largest investigation to date of gender-affirming chest reconstruction in a pediatric po uh, population, says JAMA. The results demonstrate substantial increases in gender-affirming chest reconstruction for adolescents. You people who are doing this to children, mutilating children this way, you're evil. You're evil. Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire obtained footage recently showing a Vanderbilt doctor emphasizing the much uh, that these surgeries can the amount of money these surgeries can bring in. So I talked to you about that, that they're all excited in the medical community because, uh, as an example, chest reconstruction on minors about forty grand, female to male bottom surgeries about a hundred thousand. Plus, the medications that they have to be on for life. Big Pharma loves that idea, don't they? VUMC Clinic for Transgender Health, Dr. Shane Sable-Taylor says it's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money, says Shane. But studies indicate that as many as 90% of young people who claim a transgender identity but are not encouraged to socially or medically transition will no longer call themselves transgender in their adulthood. That's where the Great Britain people got it absolutely right. This is social conditioning between the ears. Call it what it is. Tell adults to quit mutilating children because that's what's going on. As I said, Mengele would be proud of what these people are doing to our children in this country. It's an evil that those of us who believe in righteous behavior and those of us who believe in a standard for our children we, we have to stand up against this. All right, quick break. When we come back, John Hayward is going to join me from Breitbart.com. Tell you about Shirts Funeral Home, the great people at Shirts Funeral Home, ready to meet with you and your family, ready to talk with you about uh, pre-planning and pre-need. Now, we talk a lot about their current services, like if you are at time with somebody and you need to plan a funeral right now, of course they're there for you, and they're there to answer the phone 24 hours a day at 210-658-9224. But also pre-planning and pre-need is important. What you do with that is you sit down with the experts at Shirts Funeral Home and they go through what it means to, to plan your own funeral. An event, of course, that we don't want immediate need. That's something that we're hoping is going to be many, many decades. But the only thing that's certain about life is that life is uncertain. So you want to have a plan in place so your family doesn't have to worry about that and your family doesn't have to pay for it at time. You pay for it now. Yeah, of course, great financing options are available for Shirts Funeral Home, and they'll take care of everything at time. That's Shirts Funeral Home at 210-658-9224. A and FM 1071. 
And one more of those Democrat nut jobs. And this guy is a nut job. He is a neo-Marxist trying to bring communism to the United States. Raphael Warnock, who is running against Herschel Walker out in Georgia. Quote, America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness. America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness. I'll tell you something America needs to repent of, and that's this nonsense, this evil that they're perpetrating in the medical community against our children called gender reassignment surgery, gender identity. And what's happening in the medical community right now is a sin, it's evil, and it ought to be illegal. The president calls it immoral to stand against it, however. As American medical officials are encouraging gender transitions for children over in the U.K., British doctors are placing heavy restrictions on transition drugs and procedures for all people under the age of 18. Now, the U.K.'s National Health Service <clears throat> is warning that children who believe they are transgender are merely going through a phase. That's right, a phase. And a lot of times that comes from outside the child. might be a parent, might be a teacher. But most times it comes from outside the child. Hey, look, Johnny, you're Julie. Hey, Julie, you're Harry. Whatever. And they're forced to live that way a lot of times by their own evil parents. And it's a phase. In the U.K., they're calling it what it is. They're calling it a phase. And they say the doctor should encourage them against using preferred pronouns or other names. In the U.K., who has always been more, quote, progressive than the United States. you got British doctors who are placing strict bans on puberty blocker prescriptions, shutting down transgender clinics. That's going on over there, while over here, the medical community is fighting for the right to mutilate children. Why? Because they make tons of money for the life of that person. In the absence of valid research that can provide solid data on the risk versus benefit of so-called social transition, puberty blockers, hormones, or irreversible surgical procedures, the NHS, this is in Britain, has called for a halt to gender-affirming care. It's Dr. Stanley Goldfarb. Earlier this month, America's medical community, the left-wing medical establishment, I'm talking about the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Medical Association, the Children's Hospital Association, I told you when this happened, they sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland, and they want people like me who stand against this evil, they want people like me to be prosecuted. President Joe Biden weighed in it over the weekend. He said it's immoral to ban sex change operations for children. Any age. Any age. In England, they are even warning against social transitioning, changing names and pronouns and wearing clothes associated with the opposite sex, saying that those actions are not neutral and, in fact, have significant effects on the psychological functioning of children. Amen. Boys do not dress like girls. Girls do not dress like boys. That is a word right out of the Bible, Deuteronomy. Look it up. If God said it, that's good enough for me. Boys do not dress like girls. Girls do not dress like boys. It's an abomination, says God. Now, you don't, your argument's not with me. It's with him. Take it up with him. Fight with him. Thirteen state attorney generals in the United States have sent a letter to Garland as well, warning him not to follow what the medical community is here saying. So they have more common sense about this in Great Britain than we have in our medical community here. There's another headline for you. 
Adolescent chest reconstruction surgeries increase 400% in the United States. Well, Mengele would be proud, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he? Chest reconstruction surgeries performed on minors across the United States have gone up 400%. According to the Journal for the American Medical Association, JAMA, as we all call it, everybody knows, from Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, 1,130 chest mutilating surgeries performed on children younger than 18. Of those encounters, 1,114 were mastectomies, 16 were augmentation mammoplasties, bringing the annual number of child mutilations right up to 400% increase. This is the largest investigation to date of gender-affirming chest reconstruction in a pediatric po uh, population, says JAMA. The results demonstrate substantial increases in gender-affirming chest reconstruction for adolescents. You people who are doing this to children, mutilating children this way, you're evil. You're evil. Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire obtained footage recently showing a Vanderbilt doctor emphasizing the much uh, that these surgeries can the amount of money these surgeries can bring in. So I talked to you about that. That they're all excited in the medical community because, uh, as an example, chest reconstruction on minors about forty grand. Female to male bottom surgeries about a hundred thousand. Plus, the medications that they have to be on for life. Big Pharma loves that idea, don't they? VUMC Clinic for Transgender Health, Dr. Shane Sable-Taylor says, it's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money, says Shane. But studies indicate that as many as 90% of young people who claim a transgender identity but are not encouraged to socially or medically transition will no longer call themselves transgender in their adulthood. That's where the Great Britain people got it absolutely right. This is social conditioning between the ears. Call it what it is. Tell adults to quit mutilating children, because that's what's going on. As I said, Mengele would be proud of what these people are doing to our children in this country. It's an evil that those of us who believe in righteous behavior and those of us who believe in a standard for our children... We, we have to stand up against this. All right, quick break. When we come back, John Hayward is going to join me from Breitbart.com. Tell you about Shirts Funeral Home, the great people at Shirts Funeral Home, ready to meet with you and your family, ready to talk with you about uh, pre-planning and pre-need. Now, we talk a lot about their current services, like if you are at time with somebody and you need to plan a funeral right now, of course they're there for you, and they're there to answer the phone 24 hours a day at 210-658-9224. But also pre-planning and pre-need is important. What you do with that is you sit down with the experts at Shirts Funeral Home and they go through what it means to, to plan your own funeral. An event, of course, that we don't want immediate need. That's something that we're hoping is going to be many, many decades. But the only thing that's certain about life is that life is uncertain. So you want to have a plan in place so your family doesn't have to worry about that and your family doesn't have to pay for it at time. You pay for it now. Yeah, of course, great financing options are available from Shirts Funeral Home, and they'll take care of everything at time. That's Shirts Funeral Home at 210-658-9224. RoofFixSA.com. Well, you know, I told you that I don't think the Democrats could have had a worse night than what they had last night between Fetterman and Oz, Hochul, Zeldin, and, of course, the Whitmer uh, debate as well up in Michigan. The Democrats had a horrible night. I know. The big media is trying to make it seem as though this was a close thing. ABC, that was a debate showdown between Fetterman and Oz last night. A debate showdown? What debate were you watching, ABC? 
You now, now we know you're just making crap up, man. Same thing is true with MSNBC. Such transparency from John Fetterman last night. Unbelievably transparent, really. Well, that whole question about um, you uh, going to release your medical records? <gasps> no, I don't have to. My doctors say I'm okay to be served. You're what? I'm okay to be served. John Hayward, Breitbart.com, joining us on the Stevens Roofing Newsmaker Hotline, as he does every Wednesday at this time. Well, what would you think, John? Well, I noticed last night that it looked like a lot of confusion and shock on lefty social media. They didn't think this was going to be that bad because their media lies to them. The left-wing media lied extravagantly and fluidly. They lied through their teeth. They lied through their ears. They lied through their noses. They told you Fetterman was fine. They've been telling you that for months. When there was a big story a couple of weeks ago from one reporter who did actual journalism and pointed out how bad he was, she was destroyed. The, the journalist swarmed on her like hornets, you know, stinging something to death and screamed her down for daring to commit journalism against a Democrat, and then they all loudly insisted they talk to Fetterman all the time and he's fine. Well, they were lying to you, and they were lying to their own supporters. So the Democrat Party, the supporters, the faithful, are watching this absolute train wreck unfold, and they can't believe what they're seeing, because the media they trust implicitly lied to them about how bad his condition was. And after a couple of hours last night, a little stunned silence on social media, it looks like they've started congealing around this talking point that supposedly Fetterman was incredibly brave just for showing up at all. You're supposed to be impressed at how courageous he was to show up for that debate despite his disabilities. You know, the disabilities I told you two days ago he didn't have. He's supposedly incredibly brave for showing up despite his disabilities, and Oz is smarmy because Oz wasn't nice enough to him. Oz should have basically just conceded the race right then and there because of how brave John Fetterman was, and so Oz was just smarmy. That's the talking point. It's pitiful. It probably won't work, but will it matter? Because there's already heavy early voting in progress right now. There have got to be people that vote voted early that watched that last night and said, oh, my God, what have I done? You know, they, they cast an early vote for Fetterman based on the media lies, and then they watch what he's actually like, and they're probably sick in their hearts. Yeah, you're talking about NBC News and Dasha Burns when she sat down with him, and she said when he did not have that screen in front of him, and I don't believe he should have had it in front of him last night. I believe that, you know, equal footing and all that kind of stuff, and when he had that screen in front of him, uh, you know, she or didn't have it in front of him, she said he could not even follow a sentence. Now, this is not picking on somebody that has a, a stroke but this is saying that some people are just not physically capable of doing a job like i've been saying i it would be ridiculous for me to go down and try to try out for the san antonio spurs you know i'm not physically capable of doing that job nor is he physically capable of being a senator but, but you put put the stroke stuff aside and just when you think about his answers and and his his not having thought through obviously have not having thought through the issues and the flip-flop on the fracking and all that crap uh, this guy clearly has no business being anywhere near the united states senate and you know the fact that it's this close says a couple of things to me john and tell me what you think first of all again it says like you just rightly pointed out the american media in this country is in collusion with the democrat party and the neo-marxists in the democrat party to bring marxism into our country and to make sure as many democrats uh, as possible can win. So they're lying to people every single day, just like ABC this morning calling that a debate showdown. That was no debate showdown. So that's the number one thing that's going on. Number two is the polling system in America is broken, and it should be completely scrapped. The head of Trafalgar Group said that two weeks ago, and he was right. 
Well, and maybe you'd have to throw in a number three and say the electorate might be a bit broken in some of these states. The idea that anybody could watch that and then say, yeah, John Fetterman's our guy for the Senate. I mean, that's robotic party loyalty to a psychotic degree. That's people that aren't even thinking anymore that are just going to pull the lever because he's got a D after his name. If they dropped him out of the race today and they ran a baked potato with a smiley face drawn on it, they'd vote for the potato. The same people mm-hmm. would vote for the potato. There's, there's something about the Democratic Party in particular. Republicans have loyalists too, and they wish they had more of them. But there's a lot more of these just robot voters on the Democrat side. And part of that is because the machine that the Democrats control is running on autopilot. The president of the United States is brain damaged. He's not there. Mm. His vice president is clearly mentally impaired. She's not normal. You know, a lot of the people that are running this government are clearly mentally impaired people. But it doesn't matter because the system runs itself. It just gets bigger and it grabs more money and more power and it spits out more lollipops and goodies and nobody really needs to be in control of it anymore. There's no logic or reason or wit to anything that happens. It's like a blob just crawling across the country and devouring everything. And the blob doesn't have much of a brain, if you remember the old horror movies. It's mm. real dangerous, but it's not a deep thinker. Beware of the blob. Oh, anyway, I, that's a, <laughs> that song sticks in my head whenever I hear it. So uh, two weeks from right now, you and I are going to be talking about the night before. Uh, and we're going to be breaking down what happened the night before. Um, the, these races that appear to be close, I don't know that they really are. I do believe that the red wave is going to be very strong. Uh, I don't think that Republicans are answering their phones and participating in polls. I got asked uh, by text yesterday to participate in uh, two polls, and I refused. I don't do it. I don't, I don't answer polls. But I also think that when, when Republicans who are out canvassing for senators in Florida or who are out talking to folks in Montana are getting run over by trucks and beat uh, within an inch of their lives with baseball bats down in Florida, I don't think Republicans are, are speaking out all that much about their activities and what they're doing, but I think they're showing up right now early voting here and, and will show up on November 8th. What do you think? That's really been the story of the home stretch here. The final uh, minute, the final quarter of this match has been all about the Republican candidates, some of whom didn't look great on paper, you know, like Dr. Oz, for example, was not everybody's cup of tea. A lot of people thought he was a poor candidate, a poor choice. But as soon as he got the nomination, he got busy with just the retail politics stuff. He started going door to door. He ran a tight ship. He did good performances, public appearances, good statements. He just got down to the nuts and bolts. And that's what a lot of Republican campaigns have been doing going into the home stretch. They're not flashy. They're not grabbing for the big headlines, and why should they? Because they know the media hates them. But they're busy turning out voters, going door-to-door, making this happen. And then, yeah, the early voting in places like Georgia would suggest that it is working. And why wouldn't it be? You know, who wants any more of what the Democrats have inflicted on us? What sane person wants this party to continue in power after what we've seen over the last two years? Yeah, how many people do you think Tulsi Gabbard might represent? A lot? A few? A handful? What do you think? I don't think she represents a huge number of people because she is in kind of a weird place on the political spectrum. A lot of people on the conservative side not thrilled at her suddenly claiming to join them. They don't like her, and then some of her past positions are nutty, and they don't like those. So she might not have a huge constituency, but I think she does have a bit of reach. She's photogenic. She's a good speaker. People are interested in her. She has a story to tell. You know, So I think she can get to some people if she's got a talk show type thing she does. I think she can reach out and, and influence some people that way. She might not have a deep rock solid constituency behind her, but I think she has a a bit of broad appeal. Is she representative of people who might be on the Democrat side, or at least a a, a moderate independent who are now going to vote Republican because of the economy, because of the border, because of education and the way public education is failing across America? 
I think she could be, especially if she wanted to be. But remember, her big thing is about warmongering. She left the Democratic Party because she thinks they're all eager to go to war with Russia and Ukraine. Not a huge issue across the Democratic diaspora. That's not a big reason people are abandoning the Democratic Party, but it was her big reason. So if she wants to talk more about the other stuff, I think she would find a receptive audience there. You know, I think back to your governor, uh, and he, I'm a huge fan, and I've, I've made no bones about that. People know that who's, who've listened to me for 10 minutes. Uh, know that how much I appreciate what Ron DeSantis has done, particularly when you think about him being at this point several years ago, 16 points down to Gillum, who has now got all these charges coming up against him, and he pulled it out at the last minute. Uh, he has got to be the odds-on favorite over Chris over in Florida, uh, no matter what happens, right? I think at the moment the polls all say DeSantis is 10 or 11 points ahead, so he's likely to win very comfortably. I think he'll probably do even better than that. And the only reason that he's only 10 or 11 points ahead, because Chris is awful, that debate Mm -hmm. that they had, that was before last night, but that was an absolute, you know, they should have stopped the fight after DeSantis murdered Chris in the middle of the ring there. Chris is terrible, but he, again, there's this Democratic machine, you know, it doesn't matter who he is, it could be a baked potato, there are people that will turn out and vote for him, and the media has been at all-out war against Ron DeSantis. The deep state is going war against him with all these phony charges they're trying to file against him for shipping illegals to Martha's Vineyard. How dare you send illegals to, to Blue Enclaves, you monster. You know, they're, they're doing everything they can to crush him, and he's still 10 or 11 points up. So that, well, that tells you something about the strength of the As team. you well know, our sheriff here has done the same thing. But the reason I wanted to have you comment on that particular race is because we're seeing the same thing here. You've got uh, Democrats, of course, obviously, here in Texas that, as you say, will vote for Mr. Potato Head. And they're actually doing that because it's exactly what Beto is, right? First of all, his name is fake. He is as Irish as I am. There's no Mexican blood in him at all, but in order to be a marketable product, you know, he hangs that name on himself, and he's proud to go around and say that. He's a professional politician is all he is, because he knows that if he puts himself in the position to run, whether it's against Ted Cruz or right now Greg Abbott, he knows he's not going to win. He's admitted that, you know, basically, tacitly, but when you look at all the funding that comes in from out of state, why wouldn't he? I mean, he's making buku bucks. He's got good money stashed away in an account in that in his uh, in his uh, campaign account so he's doing well but all that money's coming from out of the state the people here appreciate what greg abbott does with the exception of as you just said the media our local uh, newspaper here uh, they've never written a conservative piece they don't believe in conservatism they believe in far left marxism neo-marxism and all that so oh beto's the man he's gonna save texas now the people here in texas feel the same way uh, that your people in Florida feel about Ron DeSantis, uh, Abbott's anywhere from 10 to 12 points ahead. Well, I hate. To, I think Republicans hate to hear us put it as bluntly as you just did, because they probably like these deep-pocketed lefties pouring millions of dollars into hopeless races, you know, in, the, in these vanity candidacies and grift operations. Right. I mean, please keep doing that. Waste your money, right? But, I mean, that's, that goes to show you, yeah, there's an automatic party on the other side, and yeah, they'll vote for a potato, but there's a lot of people out there that want more, that want results. And that's one of the things that, that DeSantis and Greg Abbott have in common. They've gotten stuff done. Not perfect. There's criticism, sure. sure. But they've done things. They've accomplished significant things and they've taken risks they've done political things that have actually changed the conversation instead of just being expressions of helpless frustration and i think that resonates with a lot of voters it's one of the reasons their support is consolidated one last thing and i i I predicted this a couple of weeks ago john and i wanted to get your thoughts on it because it seems 
like they're starting to work on this now with uh, Biden's words a, a few days ago about the recession and it's going to be the Republicans' fault and the Republicans are going to bring in this recession. I've been saying for and, and then of course that video, awful video from Hillary Clinton concerning 2024, and I'm going to talk about that some more here in a second. But um, I, I really believe that what they're trying to do now at this point, they're pivoting away from the Democrats are trying to pivot away from what's going to happen in two weeks and try to hang everything that's going to go wrong concerning the economy in the next year on the Republicans, even though they're baking the cake right now and have been for the past two years. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Two things are going to happen on the day after Election Day. Uh, All of a sudden, the Democrats are going to admit there's a recession, finally, and they'll blame it on Republicans. And also, election denialism is going to be the coolest thing in the world. It will no longer be a threat to democracy, and it will no longer be neo-Nazi monster stuff. It will now be awesome to deny an election and to claim that it was stolen and everything. It's so predictable. Like You you can see it happening right now. I don't think it's going to work too well. I just think there's too much this time. It'll work with a few people, but mostly, I think a lot of that hooey is them desperately trying to hold their base together. Yeah. If you're an independent voter, center-right voter, a conservative Democrat who feels the party has left you, you're going to laugh when they do that stuff. It's pitiful. But if you're part of this dwindling Democrat base, you need them to throw you something to hang on to that you can yell and scream online and talk to each other and make each other feel like you're part of a, of a Democrat community. And this is the kind of idiotic stuff that you throw to your base when you're desperate to hold it together. It's not going to work with anybody else. Well, one of the coolest things that's happening right now are a bunch of non-politicians on the Republican side who are about to replace a bunch of long-term politicians on the Democrat side. Right here we have Henry Cuellar, who's been there for 20-some-odd years, right, calls himself a blue dog Democrat. He is not. He votes with Joe Biden 96% of the time. And we got Cassie Garcia here, who's got a good chance, I think, and I hope, uh, she's got a good chance of replacing it. But, but she's an example of stuff that's happening across the country. Look at the gubernatorial race out in Arizona as an example, where you've got people who are not politicians, who are running on the Republican side. They're first-timers, sure, and We'll have some disappointments. You bet that'll happen. You always do. But it's time to run out all these Democrats who have been there forever. I want to take up Hillary Clinton before I tell you goodbye. That thing that she did yesterday, that video that came out about how 2024 is going to be uh, done away with by Republicans and conservatives are going to uh, cheat the vote in 2024 and all that. She's an election denier. She denied 2000. She denied 2016. Now she's (laughs) preemptively denying 2024. She is attacking the democracy in America. She is an insurrectionist. When is the FBI going to corner her at a Hardee's a la Mike Lindell and take her cell phone away from her? She's doing the exact same thing he did. Well, and she knows that won't happen, but I actually think what you just said would be an excellent point for Republicans to drive home, maybe in the home stretch of this election, maybe after they win and they're getting stuff done and they need a political narrative, point that out. A highlighter, and don't just say it's hypocrisy. Don't just say that, hey, Hillary Clinton's the worst election denier in the world and nothing happens to her. Point out that's corruption, that, you know, the FBI should be swarming all over her for that because of what they've done in the past. But she knows that she has a free pass to say such things. She knows she will never be investigated by the left-wing deep state with all those Obama appointees. And that's a big problem for America. That right there is something we have to change. John Hayward, Breitbart.com, will visit next week. John, thank you very much. Thanks very much for having me. We're getting very, very close, guys. It's a 6.59 KTSA Broadway Vascular, Dr. Dallas Broadway, and the entire team of great physicians and staff at Broadway Vascular. They are world-renowned in minimally invasive outpatient vascular procedures. 
They want to focus on getting you well, keeping you out of the hospital with these minimally invasive outpatient vascular procedures. If you suffer from vascular issues and poor circulation, I want you to call Broadway Vascular right away and get your appointment at 210-465-7015. The end of the year is coming. It's going to be here before you know it. And if you have those medical benefits, you want to take advantage of those medical benefits in that account and get in and see our friends at Broadway Vascular. They are saving limbs every single day and keeping people out of the hospital with these outpatient procedures. For poor circulation, bad circulation, vascular issues, hemorrhoids, they are here for you. And most of these outpatient procedures are performed in about one hour, and then you go home, not to the hospital. Get your consultation right away. That's Broadway Vascular, 210-465-7015, Broadway Vascular. Fall is here with peer courtesy of the Stevens Roofing Newsmaker Hotline. Hey, real quick, don't forget that we'd love to have you say the Pledge of Allegiance here on the show. Let's keep the dream alive, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's keep it alive. And the way to do that is just speak it into your cell phone. And then email it on over to me at Trey, T-R-E-Y, at KTSA.com, Trey at KTSA.com. Or you can send it to my personal email, Trey at TreyWare.com. Whichever works for you best, just send it on over to me. We'll get you in the system. We uh, The main reason we do this now, twice a day, 550 and 650, is keeping the pledge alive. There's forces out there that want to kill it, don't want you to say it, don't want our kids saying it in school anymore and stuff like that, and we're going to keep it alive. We start every morning at 5 a.m. with the National Anthem, too. But I'd love for you to say it. So, again, uh, just speak it into your phone and email it. A couple of email addresses, Trey at KTSA.com or Trey at TreyWare.com. Either way, and we'll get you in there. Ware and Rima coming up next, KTSA.